Welcome to the Art and Joe podcast. You're listening to Memories, part of a collection of music available at www.bensound.com. I'm Landon Thomasma, owner and operator of Art and Joe, Stillville, Missouri's own little coffee shop. In these files, you'll find a collection of sermons, devotions, stories, and musings, whatever happens to be on my heavily caffeinated mind. I hope you might find something useful somewhere in there. This time we're flipping the wheel back a bit to July of the past year. This is a sermon I gave at my home church back on July 10th, 2016. The subject is the parable of the Good Samaritan, though you may wonder if there's anything new to be gleaned from that old story. Still, I hope to surprise you with a few things. The title of the sermon is, When the Wrong Guy Did the Right Thing. Here's a story from James Thurber. It's called, The Bear Who Let It Alone. In the woods of the far west, there once lived a brown bear who could take it or let it alone. He would go into a bar where they sold mead, a fermented drink made of honey, and he would have just two drinks. Then he would put some money in the bar and say, See what the bears in the back room will have. And he would go home. But finally, he took to drinking by himself most of the day. He would reel home at night, kick over the umbrella stand, knock down the bridge lamps, and ram his elbows through the windows. Then he would collapse to the floor and lie there until he went to sleep. His wife was greatly distressed, and his children were very frightened. At length, the bear saw the error of his ways and began to reform. In the end, he became a famous teetotaler and a persistent temperance lecturer. He would tell everybody that came to his house about the awful effects of drink, and he would boast about how strong and well he had become since he gave up touching the stuff. To demonstrate this, he would stand on his head and on his hands, and he would turn cartwheels in the house, kicking over the umbrella stand, knocking down the bridge lamps, and ramming his elbows through the windows. Then he would lie down on the floor, tired by his healthful exercise, and go to sleep. His wife was greatly distressed, and the children were very frightened. Moral? You might as well fall flat in your face as lean over too far backward. A student of the law asked Jesus what he needed to do to inherit eternal life. Jesus responded with a question. This is a standard debate tactic. It gives you the chance to start on mutual ground. The student answers with words that have been on the heart of every Jew since Abraham. The Shema states, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. The very next words are, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And to that, the rabbis added one more phrase, and your neighbor as yourself. Now, as we can see, this isn't a new teaching that Jesus came up with. This was understood as the soul and purpose of the law. Love God, love your neighbor. But now the student moves on to the next standard debate tactic, defining the terms. Who is my neighbor? Well, this could take forever. Rabbis have spent centuries debating just what constitutes sunset, for example. It's important to know, since Sabbath begins on sunset. So, if you're still working at sunset, have you violated the Sabbath? Well, depends on how you define sunset. Is it the moment when the sun drops below the horizon? Or when the first stars appear? How many stars? Which ones? See, this is all serious stuff. So this student is asking what most people there would consider a valid question. 
He's seeking to justify the level of his own obedience. So just whom should he consider as his neighbor? His temple community? The people in his part of town? Uh, just the Jews, of course, not the Gentiles. We don't touch them. Israel in general? Now Jesus breaks the tradition. Rather than go back to Talmud to find out what the rabbi's opinions were on just what constitutes one's neighbors, Jesus tells a story. A man's been robbed and stripped and left for dead on the side of the road. One commentary explains that this means he's unidentifiable. You knew people by the clothing they wore. And he's unconscious, so he can't speak for himself. Now, two men walk by in succession, a priest and a Levite. Now, why those two? Why not a Nazarene and a Cappadocian? Well, because the priest and the Levite have a special link to the temple of God. The priests of Israel were chosen from the tribe of Levi, so a priest had to be a Levite. But not every Levite was a priest. Priests had to come from the family of Kohath, Levi's second son. In James Michener's book, The Source, a Roman Catholic is brought to visit a synagogue in Israel. He's prompted ahead of time that he'll be asked a question at the door, Levi or Kohath. He is instructed to answer Israel. So even though there's no temple for the priests to serve in, that question is relevant in Jewish practice even today. It's tradition when reading from the Torah to let the Kohenim read first, then the Levites, and then everybody else. So we have a priest and a Levite passing by this unconscious, unidentifiable man. And they both cross to the other side of the road. Now, by doing so, they're doing the right thing. If the injured man is dead, they'd be ritually defiling themselves. And if he's not, but he's a foreigner, they're culturally defiling themselves. So the right thing, according to what they've learned, the proper attitude of fealty to the living God is to pass the man by and let someone else help him. Then we have a third man, a Samaritan. <laughs> now there's a charged word. What is there left to say about the good Samaritan? We have whole ministries founded on the name. It's the very stereotype of human compassion. It's even a comic book superhero by that name. So what is there left to say? Now, it's traditional for us to think of Samaritans as the outsiders, foreigners, that people looked down on because they were foreign. That fits our ideal of Christians, champions of the outcasts, of Americans, welcomers of the foreign, of enlightened human beings, defenders of the downtrodden, the actual relationship of Jews to Samaritans is a little more complicated than that. Let's go back to the ancient kingdom of Israel, to the death of King Solomon. Second Chronicles chapter 10 says, Rehoboam, Solomon's son, went to Shechem, for all Israel had come to Shechem to make him king. When Jeroboam, son of Nebat, heard of it, for he was in Egypt where he had fled from King Solomon, then Jeroboam returned from Egypt. They sent and called him, and Jeroboam and all Israel came and said to Rehoboam, Your father made our yoke heavy. Now therefore lighten the hard service of your father and his heavy yoke that he placed on us, and we will serve you. So Jeroboam and all the people came to Rehoboam the third day. As the king had said, Come to me again the third day. The king answered them harshly. King Rehoboam rejected the advice of the older men. He spoke to them in accordance with the advice of the young men. My father made your yoke heavy, but I will add to it. My father disciplined you with whips, but I will discipline you with scorpions. 
When all Israel saw that the king would not listen to them, the people answered the king, What share do we have in David? We have no inheritance in the son of Jesse. Each to your tents, O Israel. Look now to your own house, O David. So all Israel departed to their tents. But Rehoboam reigned over the people of Israel who were living in the cities of Judah. So, the other tribes of Israel broke away from Rehoboam, who was left with only two tribes, Judah and Benjamin. That kingdom became Judea. The ten tribes set up their own kingdom and their own capital. And guess where they put it? Samaria. Now, over time, the kingdom of Israel was invaded by the Assyrians, who carried most of them away and brought their own people in to settle the region of Samaria. Judah was invaded later on, and their people were carried away too. When they returned to rebuild Jerusalem, they turned away the people who were living there. They didn't recognize them as Israelites because they'd intermarried and taken on much of the culture of the people of the Assyrians had imported. So when the Jews rebuilt the temple in Jerusalem, the Samaritans built a temple of their own on Mount Gerizim. But don't take my word for it. There are still Samaritans today. Every year they celebrate the festival of the Torah. You can see photos online taken recently in past years. They're still there. And they still consider themselves the Semarim, the keepers of the Torah. There aren't many of them. And they have to tow a careful line between the Arabs and the Israelis. But generally speaking, they've managed it. As far as the folks in the area are concerned, they are good Samaritans. But that's now. In Jesus' time, the Samaritans were far more than mere outsiders to the Jews. They had been insiders. They belonged. Then they cut themselves off, rebelled, set up a false temple, intermixed with the Goyim, and allowed themselves to devolve into idolatry and apostasy. To the Jews, the Samaritans were no less than the worst-case scenario, that thing that could happen if you don't watch out. The but in their but for the grace of God go I. In other words, the Samaritans were wrong. So we have a man on the side of the road, stripped, unconscious, left for dead. And the people who knew what they were doing did the right thing, technically. They were ritually obliged to do what they did. They got it right, and still they got it wrong. Just like the bear in the story, they leaned over so far backwards in their theological righteousness that they fell flat on their faces. It was the wrong guy. The guy everyone in the audience could agree was off the wall theologically. He's the one who got it right. So, who was a neighbor to the injured man, Jesus asks. And the student of the law can't even bring himself to say the word Samaritan. The one who showed him mercy, he says. Right on one. There's your neighbor. Go and do likewise. Did that clear up the dispute over who was right, the Samaritans or the Jews, Mount Gerizim or Mount Zion? No. Even as we can see today, that, that continues even today. The Samaritan's not in the story for that reason. He's there to illustrate a point that Jesus makes over and over. It's the same point he makes to a real Samaritan sitting by a well in the woman's own hometown. The time is coming. The time is here when worshiping God won't be a matter of location. The time is coming. The time is here when your actions determine your worship wherever you are. Worship is an activity. 
It's consistent servanthood to God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And love whomever needs it as yourself. Whatever else we get wrong, this is something to get right. Amen. You've been listening to the Art and Joe podcast. You can find Art and Joe at 105 East Main Street in Steelville, Missouri, the heart of the Ozarks. Just look for the big yellow sign that says you need a cup of coffee. You can visit our website at artandjoe.ntunes.com. That's art, A-N-D-Joe, at N-T-O-O-N-Z.com. Or drop by our Facebook page at facebook.com backslash artandjoe. Thank you for listening, and God bless.